0: Welcome to the Madison Story Slam Podcast. It is I, Adam Rosted, your host and story provider. I don't know. I've been called a lot of things, but I like purveyor of stories, stories provider, things like that. I hope you're doing well. I am doing fantastic. We've had such a great year so far with Madison Story Slam, the 2017-2018 season has just four more Story Slam events left. Every single one this year has been fantastic, so I imagine the next ones are going to be just as amazing. Our next one is Saturday, February 17th at the Wilmar Center. The theme that night is, there will be blood, so there's going to be some gory stories, I'm sure. Come on out. Sponsored by Ale Asylum, as always... And we will have our new best of CDs. These are their stories volume two and volume three available for purchase. Those CDs are 10 bucks a piece or both of them for 17. So come prepared to spend some money and help support a really cool local community event. On this episode of the podcast, it is our third and final installment of the recordings from our Liar Liar event, which took place on January 20th, 2018. In this episode, we've got Kent starting out with a story about how God is watching to make sure you don't lie. We're also going to hear from Maria, Abigail, Maureen, and Brittany, who will tell us all about why she chose to move out when she did. Hey, one of the ways that you can help Madison Story Slam is to go to iTunes or to the Apple Podcasts app, search for Madison Story Slam and leave us a rating and a review. When you do that for a podcast, it helps other people to find that podcast. So when they start searching in the search bar and they start typing M, A, maybe we'll start to pop up to the top of the list and that would really help us. The other thing that helps us when you leave a review is you can tell us what you like about the podcast and what you don't like about the podcast and maybe you can affect change in this show I'm not saying that everything you say we're going to take and act upon but we will definitely take it into consideration because this is a community we want to be serving you and we want this show to feel like it's a part of the community you want to be a part of anyway please go leave a rating and a review it helps us immensely first up like I said we've got Kent Hennis who is talking about how God is watching. Here's stories, and here's Kent. Please put your hands together for Kent Hennis.
1: Thank you. Hello. Okay, so my story is about when I was young, I, I wouldn't tell lies because I thought that God was up above me watching me and that it... It wasn't allowed to tell lies and so I I basically would, I wouldn't lie even when it would pain me and it was a frequent case as a kid where me and my friends would get into trouble and our parental God figures would be like hey like did you do that and they'd be like no 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 yes and I, I often always got into trouble because I would admit to it, and it was a, it was a terrible, it was a terrible thing that afflicted me, always telling the truth in that case. Um, but sometime around middle school, I, I would get into a whole lot of trouble because I was a mischievous kid, and I, I realized that I could kind of like not technically lie, I could just yeah I could, I could not technically lie and so basically i would get into different trouble situations like once we tp my teacher's classroom where like i kind of orchestrated where people would excuse themselves one at a time to the bathroom and come back with a toilet paper roll in your pocket and then like when we finished our quiz she would go into her closet to our teacher would go into the closet to grade them, and when she came back out, it was all teepeed, and she just kind of assumed that it was me, and she's like, Kent, did you did you teepee this classroom? And I was just like, no, I didn't, because I technically didn't, And and similarly, I had a, a teacher like she had this adverb song, which was all the, all the adverbs in a list to the, to the tune of London Bridges Falling Down. And so I asked my friend Sarah, like, just delete two of the adverbs and just, like, write, like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and write cunt. And so she did. And the teacher is reading it, and she was actually recording it on a tape recorder so that she could do it to the next classroom. And so she... It's like, do does would could want should cunt, no. and you know, and like looks over at everyone, and we're all like kind of snickering, and then like erased it and sang the rest of it, and there was an F word in the middle there too, and um, and same thing where she was like, Kent, did you write those words? And I, I was, I did not write those words. That that wasn't me. But eventually. In middle school, I started getting into trouble where there were more specific questions. So there was like once where there was a stink bomb that I had acquired and I brought to school and someone else set it off. And so I was in the principal's office and they were like, did you set off a stink bomb? And I was like, no. And they were like, well, like, do you know who set it off? And I was like, yes. They're like, okay, well, will you tell us who it is? And I was like, No. <laughs> they're like, well, do, like, do you know how it was acquired? like, yes. They're like, well, like, did, did you bring it to school? Y- yes. Uh, okay, you're suspended. And so I was, I was suspended a lot. And um, I have so many examples here. I got to, like, skip over some of them. So, like, uh, once there's a food fight... And um, I, I kind of orchestrated it because I just thought, so there was like two tables of rambunctious boys, and I thought if they sat at either side of the cafeteria and threw their food exactly at 11.50, then everyone would start to throw their food. And it worked. Like, you, <laughs> you sit them on opposite sides, they started throwing sh- shrimp poppers, and then suddenly everyone was throwing everything. And, It was an awesome food fight, and it was amazing, and um, I want to, like, describe this food fight better, because I never have before, like, there's food flying everywhere. There were tables flipping, literally, but it was also all over within 10 seconds, because you throw all your food all at once, and that's it. And And then everyone looks at each other and, like, looks to the, like authority figures that it's like oh and that's the food fight but uh anyway i was in the principal's office and they were like you know did you start that food fight i was like no and they're like well did you throw some food and i was like yeah and they're like like so were you like throwing a lot of food like were you just like starting it and i was like well what's a lot of food i wasn't really starting and they're like well like did you throw the shrimp poppers and i was like yes like, did you did you throw the the soft pretzel in the nacho sauce? <laughs> yes. Uh, did you throw the the yogurt? And yes. Did you did you throw the banana? Yes. yes. Did you throw the milk? Yes. And then I saw my vice principal like crack a smile, and that it's a little better in that moment, but. But basically, then I started getting more trouble because I couldn't omit those details, but... <laughs> to tie it together more... I, I got in trouble once in middle school, and it... it I felt a little better for all the times that I, that I got in trouble, that I could have avoided it by lying, because I didn't lie. And it was I had this terrible teacher who, like, suspended me, like, four or five times. And his name was Teacher Anderson because he couldn't be Mr. Anderson because he had this authority complex. And <laughs> like, I, one of my good friends was Jamal, and he would get in trouble all the time because he would accidentally call him Mr. Anderson. And he'd be like, "It's Teacher Anderson," and Jamal would be like, "Sorry, like maybe you should call me Student Jamal." And like and get <laughs> in trouble. <laughs> but basically, like one time, I'm I'm talking about hip hop with my friend, and I'm talking about some of our favorite artists, and I mentioned Wu-Tang Clan, who is a, a, a hip-hop like supergroup, and my teacher Anderson overhears it from the side of the room, and he's like, what did you just say? And I was like, what, what Snoop Dogg, like, what, what thing? And he was like, what did you just say, Poon Tang? I was like, what? oh, oh, Wu-Tang Clan. They're a famous hip-hop group. And so I'm in the principal's office and they're calling my mom and like, Kent said Poontang in class. It's like, no, I didn't. I was talking about Wu-Tang Clan. Swear to God, what is Poon Tang? And, and my mom is on the other side of the phone and she's like, what is Poontang? And and so, so, and they're like, so it's, it's a derogatory term. <laughs> it's a derogatory term for female genitalia in Asia. It's, it's tang. It's a, it's a very derogatory term for female genitalia. And, and I felt so ashamed. I felt so deeply ashamed because basically, like, I was trying to not lie to God because... That was, all I, I, I don't believe in God, but that was what I believed in at the time, and I was like, I do not want to disappoint God, or my parents, that was basically what I cared about, and so, like, if my teacher thinks I said Punteng, that's fine, but my mom was like, what's Punteng? Like, Kent, did you, did you say Poon-tang? And I was like, no, mom, I didn't even know what Punteng was, and she was like, okay, I believe you, and that It was all that mattered to me, because she knew I wasn't lying, and (laughs) it's a story.
0: Thank you, Kent. Please put your hands together for Maria Margaret.
2: So the timing on this event couldn't be more unreal to me because my yesterday was nothing but lies. Just yesterday, I woke up with the intent of two things. I wanted to get lit, and I wanted to get laid. (laughs) Restaurant week is next week. I don't know if we have any service industry people out here, but we're down a guy in our kitchen, and we are going to get anally fisted no lube. (laughs) Sorry, it's a little risque. I don't know if there are children running around here. Um, But little did I know. My pants were on fire. (laughs) So I went to this comedy show. It's called Backyard Comedy. It's hosted in somebody's house. It's a very cool local event. If you don't know about it, you should check it out. Afterward, I went to the Caribou Tavern. And I had one drink. I had one drink, and I went outside to smoke a cigarette. And I climbed a dumpster, because sometimes I just climb things. Like, that's what I do. And I'm contemplating life. I'm singing to myself. I'm really feeling it, you know. I was secretly hoping that this like cute hipster boy would come out, he would catch me, I would act embarrassed, we'd fall in love for a night, it would be cool, still trying to get laid. Didn't happen. So I hop off this dumpster, and with my full body weight like, behind it, my thigh catches this jutting, blunt metal piece. And it hurt like hell, it hurt like hell. First thing I did, check the leggings. They're my favorite leggings, Uh, They're velvet, beautiful, they're fine, I'm fine, lie. (laughs) Um, So whenever I get like seriously injured, because I'm a cook, sometimes that shit happens. I give myself a pep talk, you know, I'm like, all right, walk it off, you're going to be fine, lie. (laughs) Um, So I go back in, 10 minutes later, right, I'm still scoping out for cuties, And I touch my wound because it hurts, and I pull up my hand, and it's covered in blood. Yeah. I go to the bathroom, take down those leggings, and I see tissue, like tissue from my insides. I've never seen that before in my life, right? I go out to my girlfriend, who's also in the bar, and I'm like, dude, I don't know what to do. And she goes into full mom mode. It was so cute. She... she, she goes to the bartender who's fucking slammed. He's, he's like alone. And for some reason, he's got gauze, and he gives us some scotch tape. We make it work. We go to the bathroom, and she has me stand prison-style, pants down, like <laughs> hands on the walls, as she's just like weaving this generic scotch tape, like in and out. It was pretty cool of her. Did I get stitches? no. Did I keep on drinking? Yup. Everybody's got choices. Did you catch that one? That was another lie. So uh, before I came here this afternoon I went to work because my, my coworker, he's male, he has EMT training and that shit was so much easier when I was drunk. That guy's never seen my, my ass before and I thought it would be in like different circumstances if he ever did. I think he kind of took away from the magic of it all, you know. I hope not. Man, I thought that would go better. <laughs> okay, we'll tell you what. Not a whole lot of laughs. Medical supplies are actually kind of expensive. If you want to buy me a beer at a bar later, I wouldn't be opposed.
0: Hey guys, hope you're enjoying these stories from the Liar Liar Story Slam event. Wanted to take some time to talk to you about some business. As you know, on recent episodes, we have been talking about how you can be supporting us through Patreon.com slash Madison And while that is still active, we've actually shifted our focus to a different site. We host the podcast on Podbean.com. In fact, if you go to madisonstoryslam.podbean.com, you can find us there, and in the upper right-hand corner, there is a button that says, Become a Patron. Now Podbean does exactly what Patreon does. And since we host on Podbean, we thought it might be easier to just direct people there. When you go to madisonstoryslam.podbean.com and click the Become a Patron button, you'll be taken to a page that will help you support what we're doing. We truly believe that people want to pay for the things that they enjoy and pay for the things that they find important. Money that comes in from that goes right back into StorySlam to help the community deepen and grow. Alright, I put it out there, now you know. Let's go back to stories. Our next storyteller has been away for quite a while, but we're glad to have her back. Please put your hands together for Abby Graf. So the first
3: lie I ever told is actually my earliest memory. I was three. I was home from morning preschool with a babysitter, drawing in a coloring book, eating goldfish crackers, all that jazz that you do when you're three. It was great. Uh, My mom came home, Uh, with my brother, who was one-year-old at the time, uh, from running some errands, from going to the doctor. Um, She was directing theater at a community college at the time, and I did not know this when I was three, but I know it now. Um, And she had just gotten back from a doctor's appointment, and it turns out that from one of her students... um, she had gotten mono when she was like 30 or something. It's a teenager's disease. She didn't even think that that was what was going on, but she was super tired. She had a fever. She was kind of delirious. And she was like, I need to give the baby a bath and I need to go lay down for a little bit. She sets a shopco bag on the counter. Um, and so babysitter leaves. Um, I'm just sitting in the living room. I've looked at all the library books, can't read yet, so it didn't take that long. Um, And so then I wander into the kitchen, and I see the Shopko bag sitting on the counter. And what do you do when you're three and you see a bag? You look at what's inside of it. There were some paper towels. There were some Ziploc bags. And there was a package of glue sticks. And the reason that glue sticks were so exciting is because earlier that day, my friend from preschool had brought in a new kind of glue stick. And it was the kind that was purple in the tube and then it dried clear and purple was my favorite color. And I was like, I wonder if these are fancy purple glue sticks. Um, And so of course I rip open the package as best as my little ham fisted three year old no motor skills hands could do it. So the cardboard was in like five or six pieces all over the place, open up the tube, it's not purple, it's just white, not that exciting. I rub some on my hand, I rub some on the counter, all that jazz. And so then I go off to my room, I get my Raggedy Ann, I look at some more books, again, didn't take very long. Uh, maybe 10 minutes or so goes by, and then I hear my name, at the top of my mom's lungs from the next room, and she goes, Abby? And you know when you're three, you're just kind of getting that concept of right and wrong, you're kind of fumbling through life. But the second that I heard, her, say my name like that, flipped a switch in my brain that started a goody two-shoes streak that was like 19 years long. I, it was the worst feeling ever. My stomach dropped, and I was like, I'm in trouble. She found out, what do I do? And then she says, who opened up the glue sticks? She knew who opened up the glue sticks. It was me. Um, and of course, the only thing that I can think to do is blame it on somebody else. And so I said... Adam did it. Adam is my one-year-old brother. Never mind that he was one and he couldn't reach the counter. Never mind that he was in the bathtub the entire time. I was like, I got to shift the blame. I got to figure this out. Um, Obviously. No, it wasn't Raggedy Ann. She can't even walk by herself. I have to do that. So she says, come in here in the most tired voice that I can think of. This is a woman who has been running around doing errands all day with a baby who just found out she had mono. And I am the oldest child, so she's never had to have this morality talk with a three-year-old before. Um, I was also the kid who had like the worst case of the why is this and why is that ever, so she felt like she had to come up with some kind of an explanation that kind of made sense. I was raised Catholic in the church, and so she decided that the best way to teach me why lying was wrong was to try to string together some Bible stories in her, like, fever delirium. <laughs> so she sat me down on the bed, and she goes, you opened up the glue sticks, and I just... lip is quivering. I'm about to cry. And so then she goes, okay, um... Adam and Eve were the first people, and, and they didn't lie. And, um... um Moses uh, got the Ten Commandments on these big stones, and they said that you're not supposed to lie. And Judas, uh, just don't do it again, okay? Uh, I haven't, I can't say that I haven't lied since, but that was the start of a very long period of truth telling. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Abby. All right. Our next storyteller, the first time she told the story, told a wonderful story about her swimming in her underwear to a stranger's house. I don't know what her story, story will be tonight, but please put your hands together for Marie Matusewick.
4: Thank you. I told that story because I'm the opposite of a liar. Like I just say it, and it's kind of bad sometimes. But my favorite um, story of, that I... Uh, is a lie. It was a little girl in the neighborhood, and she went into the bathroom, and she wasn't supposed to touch her parents' things. And she grabbed a razor, and she tried to do her face, but she didn't have any facial hair, so she saw her eyebrows, and she said, and she hoped nobody would notice. And she came out of the bathroom, and her parents were like, "Oh my God, what happened to your eyebrows?" And she said, I bumped my head on the sink and my eyebrows fell off. (laughs) I love that lie. And I love it because nobody got hurt. And it also goes to that classic thing where you make yourself out to be some kind of a victim. You know, so they feel sorry for you. Oh, my God. How could you blame her? So my favorite lie to tell from my ex-husband is when we were dating, here we go. And so, um, we were in bed, and I'm like, this? I'm like, oh my God, you have scratches on your back. He was my boyfriend at the time. And I'm like, I'm not really rare. <laughs> I'm more of a meow. <laughs> and so, I was like, what could this be, I don't know. And he gave me one of those lies, which was I was working at the next-door neighbors on the construction site, and I crawled under their basement, and the nails scratched my back. And I'm like, oh, and I'm kind of going like this, going, I don't, okay, okay, because I wanted to believe that lie, so I did. And the third favorite lie that I didn't like as much was after we were married this VA form came in the mail and it said it's not filled out completely i'm like oh my god we worked so hard on that this is like 3 years and what what did we miss and so he's like oh never mind oh, no, never mind and there were lots of lies in between but it was he had a wife that he never told me about i'm like what how could you not tell me that i'm and he said, oh, Julie, his wife, Julie, she, she used cocaine. She cheated on him and left for weekends. And so the story was like, but by this time, I'm like, uh, oh, okay. I'm not, I'm getting to where I'm, I'm realizing. So I could go on with the time he ran over the porcupine and said he didn't, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. It's like, yeah, whatever. But I'm kind of taking a turn because last night, I stayed up really late and I'm kind of tired because there was a Department of Justice release of a shooting up in Bad River. And this is related to some people that I know and I'm friends with. And so I spent a lot of time reading through this report and I know that the lies that I listened to I wanted to I wanted to believe I wanted to believe them and I mean I was equal in the relationship you know I I had a choice to leave and I and I did and I'm I'm not that bitter anymore I mean you know it's just like okay you believed it but when Somebody has that kind of power, and this 14-year-old boy was did not have to die. And I read the whole report. I thought of people lied to that don't have the power. And people, my friends at Bad River, who they just have to accept that. They can't just divorce the state of Wisconsin. They can't just say that yes, this man who nobody wants, this, this young deputy who freaked out and PSTD'd and, and panicked and shot with a gun rather than his taser or his pepper spray or anything else that he could have done that day, nobody wants to see him ruin his life either. But there's nothing they can do and that's different. And so,
0: go liars. That's it. Please be kind and clap for Brittany Larson.
5: Yes, please be kind. I'm going to set the bar low right here. (laughs) So this is the story about how I moved out of my parents' house right after I turned 18. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of information to start with. The setting of the story is my senior year in high school, Um, but a few things that you need to know first. Uh, The first thing is my parents, my mom's a druggie. Coke is her drug of choice, and my dad is an alcoholic. He split when I was about 10. Um, So at that time, I was living just with my mom. Um, The next thing that you need to know is the reason she was into Coke um, is because she owns a bar in Milwaukee. It's kind of a backwater, dirty bar, like a country sort of dealio. And she had some apartments and whatever, and it was very, by dirty I mean like infested with bugs. Um, And so, you know, my senior year starts and we find out that we have bed bugs. And that year was supposed to be a really busy year for me. Um, I was volunteering a lot, like at a church and at a library. Um, I had a job that I was working nearly full time. I was taking college courses while still a senior, Um, so I had a lot going on, and so I didn't really have time to deal with with bugs. I was working and going to school and working on homework like 24 hours a day in some cases, and so I didn't really have much time to sleep. But when I tried, I was being bitten by bugs. And so... um, (laughs) I ended up in a really unfortunate situation where I was getting really sick. Um, I stopped going to school in some cases because the bites would, like, I'd have such a bad allergic reaction that I would just sleep for, like, 18 hours or more. Um, and so I wasn't waking up, and it was really bad. And my mom was kind of like in denial the whole time. She was um, kind of refusing to to take me to the doctor. She's like, "Oh, this is just gonna gonna blow over." So it's the beginning of my senior year, and my dad, who had split, who was very you know absent. Um, he started getting Social Security disability checks, which made me, as a 17-year-old, a beneficiary, which was pretty cool, right? I was getting checks every single month, and um, I was going to use it towards tuition. I was going to UW-Waukesha the following fall, so I thought I was all set, right? Meanwhile, Mom is complaining that she doesn't have enough money to get an exterminator, so this should have been red flag number one. So it's, you know, September, and I'm, I'm going through this, Come February, I get a phone call from my sister who lives in California. And my sisters are 13 years older than me. So they are a lot older, way past the college age. It's, it's just, they're very removed. And my sister Shauna calls and she goes, I have something to tell you. And I go, okay. I hope this is good. And she says, mom wants your checks. She wants to take the money from you. And she's planning on blackmailing you into it. She doesn't know how yet, but she's planning. And I go, okay. Well, sister, who lives in another state, very far away, who makes decent money, uh, can you help a sister out here and get me away from here? And she's like, I'm not taking sides. And I was like, what? (laughs) What? My sister was abused as a child by her, and she's not taking sides. Okay. All right. So March, I turn 18. I've still got a few months left to go. Um, and I'm kind of freaking out. I turn 18, and I'm, 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 I had finally bought my first car right before I turned 18, so I was sort of living in it, <laughs> and I was kind of part of the time living, like, at a friend's house who had sort of dropped out of school but was pretending that wasn't happening, so a lot of lying going on here. And um, so I was spending most of the time that I could at her house or in my car. I was just sleeping in my car. My teachers were like, that's not cool, and I was like, I don't have a choice. <laughs> And so, you know, everything starts kind of getting more and more tense at home. And April rolls around. I remember it was April 14th, two days after my dad's birthday. I come home one day and mom goes, I think you're the one who brought the bed bugs home. I think you brought them home from that friend's house that you've been staying at. And I was like, false. I go to that friend's house to get away from them. (laughs) And she's like, no, I don't think so. You have to be lying. I don't want you going there anymore. And I think that she caught the hint about me hiding from her. Also, not just to get away from the bed bugs, but to hide from her so she won't get those checks. And so that day, I was like, you know, we get in a huge fight, and I go, screw you, lady. Um, I'm out of here. And I go to my friend's house. And I wasn't planning to move out that day, but it just kind of happened. So my friend's mom is home, and, you know, I tell her what happened, and I'm like, Mom's a drug addict. She wants to steal from me, and we've got bed bugs. I don't know how I'm going to make it out of this year alive. I'm so sick at this point when I do stay home that I, I almost got hospitalized. And she goes, you know what? why don't you just move in with us? And I was like, what? I've never had somebody be that nice to me before. Look, the other day I was at work, and my coworkers were talking about their parents and stuff, and I said, you know, they were talking about how they've gone throughout their lifetimes, and their parents passed away, and they missed them, and all that. And I was like, I'm never going to have that. My parents died a long time ago, even though they're still alive. And so to have somebody care at me or care about me and look at me with such motherly love was completely shocking to me. And I'm so thankful that I had that person in my life because we went to my house took both of our cars and I carried out of my room what I had on my back and what I could fit in one tub which was not a whole lot. And I moved in with her, and that's how I finished high school, with honors. I started going to college. She never got those checks. Don't know if she ever got rid of bed bugs. I don't talk to her anymore. I don't talk to any of them anymore. So that's my story. Don't lie to your family and just appreciate what you have. Thank you.
0: That is going to do it for this episode of Madison Story Slam. Thank you so much for tuning in and subscribing to the podcast. Leaving a rating and a review, that helps us so much to grow. Our next Story Slam is Saturday, February 17th at the Wilmar Center. The theme is going to be There Will Be Blood, So you should come prepared to share and hear some great stories about times when you've been bleeding. Maybe there's been some sort of injury or maybe you injured somebody else, whatever it might be. No big deal. Our next episode will feature stories from the Story Slam where we teamed up with Wisconsin Public Television. The theme was Resilience in Gardening. It was a great show and so we will have some great stories for you next Thursday on that episode. As you know if you've been listening we just came out with two new best of CDs. These are their stories volume 2 and volume 3. You can pick those up at any Story Slam event from here on out. They're 10 bucks a piece or $17 for both. It helps a lot and the money coming in from that will support Story Slam. As always, I love you.